Hey, and welcome to this week's edition of Get Found, a weekly series dedicated to talking about all things kind of marketing, digital strategy, content, sales, and whatever else we deem worthy, um, whether you do or not. Uh, this week on the show, I've got Steve Farnsworth joining me, um, and Steve is going to introduce himself and tell you why it is that he chooses to put up with this abuse. <laughs> uh. That's a great question. I think it's for all the chicks, you know, because it's doing a podcast, chicks. Um, I'm Steve Farns. I'm the CMO for the Steveology Group. We actually create content for B2B companies that help create demand and interest and awareness and all bring you all kinds of leads. So that's what I do. And why am I here? Again, chicks. I mean, ladies love good podcasts. That's ladies, just You know what? It's like, hey, you know, I have a podcast. Women are like, flies on honey. I'm just saying. I mean, I've got three, and the chicks flock to me constantly. So. <laughs> um, so this week, we're actually talking about data capturing hacks to get kind of internal information to boost your marketing and sales efforts. Um, we're going to try to stick to the topic. It kind of dovetails off some stuff we were discussing last week and some kind of after the show chat that we had about um, you know like why people aren't really mining a lot of this information that they already have access to inside their organization um, because you know there really is just kind of this wealth of data that people have inside their own organization and I think a lot of times we're kind of really looking externally at you know how do we go get more uh, get more information how can we analyze what else is going on out there when we're not really focused kind of internally so um, let's kick it off and talk kind of about you know why this is important for starts and then um, let's get into some tips yeah you know it's it's uh, it's interesting I have to say Aaron that they had a fairly common com uh, conversation I have with with folks Really, I mean, one of the things about uh, technology is there are really a lot of smart, really smart folks in it, and it's really kind of an honor to work with these people. And but sometimes I'll sit down, often I'll sit down in meetings, and ask them questions about their their what they're doing in terms of their marketing activities. And when you start talking about what audience are they really serving, they they always have an answer. But when you start to dig into like how they came up with that answer. Um, or what audience are doing for a specific activity, sometimes you, you find out they haven't really thought it through or thought about it at all. And sometimes, and often, they're very surprised at it. And so what, you know, kind of when we were talking, is like how can we look at some of this data, you know, look, a little better data. Uh, you know, if you have a, a business intelligence software, and there are a lot of really great open source and free ones out there, you can get started if you're not already using that. But what's some data that uh, marketers can help extrapolate to help learn more about who their customers are, who their targets are, where they can better use their marketing dollars. And that's what we're going to talk about, a couple little hacks that we both share that people should be doing or adopting. Yeah, I mean, there's so much overlooked information that I think that, you know, a lot of it goes back to one of the things we were touching on last week, which is, you know, interdepartmental sharing, kind of like fighting for credit over things, talking about, you know, is this information usable or not usable? And a lot of that uh, you know, whether it's usable or not usable isn't whether or not the actual information itself is usable. It's about whether or not it's in a format that somebody can actually do something with um, or would ever even recognize that that's like actually a thing. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on today for my kind of um, tip and trick situation is I always talk about creating content groups and keyword groups, and today I'm going to focus kind of specifically on content groups um, because I think that where you can really 
help yourself out a lot is if you create content groups, um, especially if you set up kind of content rules where things will just like funnel automatically into these groups, based, whether you add new content or not, um, is that you can do it by, and there's two separate ways I think that people need to do this. The first is by things that like actually match your needs, like solutions, um, common questions, products or features, audience types, things like that, right? And you can do all of those, right? So like you don't actually have to just do one, you can actually do a group around um, solutions that you have or common questions or audience pain points. You can also do a group around like features and things like that. And then um, as your content, and that includes all content, right? So it's not just, you know, your marketing landing pages and your, you know, like, you know, specific marketing copy, it's everything. It's support mm. materials, it's FAQs, it's white papers, case studies, it's everything you've got goes into these groups. Then the second group you need to create is a content type group. And this is stuff like blog post, white paper, case study, video, whatever it is. Once this stuff is grouped, the thing that you can actually do then when you're gathering data from other organizations, let's say um, your customer success and support team, you can actually see specifically which of these categories they're sending out more frequently or they are using most frequently, right? So like, let's say what you notice is that they're using one particular group of content around a specific solution or feature. This actually tells you that they're getting asked those questions the most frequently or that they're dealing with things that require that kind of content really regularly. So now you know. And then the, th the second group uh, where you're actually uh, looking at things by type is you can actually take that grouping and take that cross-section and say, hey, it looks like they're actually sending out video content a lot. I'd really like to know why. Is it because it actually performs better? Is that like what really seems to be resonating with folks? Or, oh, they're sending out kind of this ebook or, you know, something like this. And then you can talk to them about, you know, like, hey, are you are you sending this out because it actually seems to perform best or are you sending it out because it's the only thing you have around this and you actually want more content around this topic in different formats? This gives you a lot of kind of jumping off points from internal stuff and it, that same kind of digging in situation works really well for sales. Like you can see that kind of information for what sales is using, for what product is using, for what each location or region is doing, like are certain regions um, really heavily utilizing certain content differently than others. Um, so that's kind of internal data that you can uh, grab a hold of. Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple things in there that make a lot of sense for sure. I think that, you know, you're talking about tracking the kinds of content. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, and it's even one of the notes I want to share is, is like when you create content uh, via links that you're sharing with sales, you know, uh, if you don't know what a UTM tag is, learn, go learn it. They're really super uh, easy to learn, UTM tags. They're, they're, they're basically ways of creating a, a URL that tells you exactly where that piece is and what it's from in the campaign. There's a lot of data you can track in Google Analytics. Um, so definitely do that. At least if you're not going to do a UTM and use Google Analytics, at least use like a, a customized uh, short URL that you can track usage because you really want to see which pieces are being used the most. The other, the other thing which I would go into is again, like Aaron was saying, is like in terms of, of really kind of what are sales, what are the needs of sales? The other place you can help dig additional information out is like create like a, you know, maybe offer, I would do it in a time fixed thing because people's attentions, salespeople's attentions are kind of small, but salespeople write letters all the time especially for complex deals where they're answering questions or concerns or issues for potential uh, for, for a buyer uh, before the, the acquisition. And a lot of times that information is really super useful. And so I would 
hold a contest every couple times a year, like for a nice steak dinner or something that would get a salesperson's attention and say, you know, we're going to, you know, if you have a follow-up letter that has a great issue in it that we're able to use for a blog post, we're going to award a steak dinner to the best one or something like that and, and run it for a fixed period of time. Because so we really want to, I mean, the salespeople are, they know the product. They know, they know your customers better than most marketers do. And, and so if you can kind of get them with them, get the information, collect that data, that's a lot of, that's a lot of free uh, feedback for what people are asking about, the issues that are, that are, um, uh, that are stopping or slowing down sales or the velocity of sales. This is, this is priceless information. That's so true. I mean, because one of the things that we that you hear a lot, right, is this whole idea of use uh, customer success or support things as blog posts. But people don't think about like what are sales hearing before people ever get to the necessity of support, right? right? So like that's a get out there ahead of what you're really looking for kind of a situation as opposed to, you know, like I'm going to wait until somebody actually has had the problem and then fix it, which is great too. But like, let's try to first, like, how do we even get them in the door? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when we're talking about discussing, like, what's going on with sales, one of the things I think that, you know, we're overlooking with both sales and support things in terms of marketing content is what are they doing that works, right? Like, when something goes right and when they answer a, a question or concern really well, what did they say? Like, I want to know specifically what their email said because I either want to use similar verbiage, uh, I want to like mimic their explanation style. I want to understand what keywords or concepts they really like attached onto. And so one of the things that I've actually done, um, because we actually have, uh, you know, like technical support here that's made up of engineering team members. And a lot of times when a customer has like a complex question and they answer something really well, I go back and I look at them like, how can I actually create some kind of material or something that I can send because they did a really good job at breaking something down that really worked well for somebody in answering a question and like it's already written. Like you didn't have to make it up. Somebody already did it. Just figure out a way to put it in your own, you know, in your new kind of marketing content. And I mean, if they did a really great job at writing it out in an email, not only can you kind of save it as an email template or make a blog post about it, you can use it as like, something that you could use for advertising. You could make a video quick explainer, like a two minute, you know, walkthrough on it. It's all great ideas. I, I, I think that those are, are perfect. One thing I, I think that you should, as a marketer, what you really want to get to is creating a marketing dashboard. And there are a lot of ways to go about this. One way is to understand what your, uh, to try to collect data that is important to your CFO and your CMO and your CEO and understand what are the metrics they're really looking to move at. And they're gonna be things around dollars and sales and that kind of stuff. And if you can collect information from the data that you have, even if you're using like an Excel spreadsheet to pull this data in, that's a good place to start. Additional information that you might wanna have at the, as you're starting to collect and like using an Excel spreadsheet, and there are lots of free templates out there. So if a business intelligent template or marketing intelligence dashboard, uh, just Google those, you'll find free templates. But you know, you can start collecting that data, which is really helpful. The other data you might start collecting is like, you know, think about, you know, what are your 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 business objectives? What are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do with that data? What is the, is the data actionable? And this is something that people, a lot, of, a lot of people, really, really, a lot of marketers and companies collect massive amounts of data because they're pretty charts and all kinds of numbers and 
and it's huge. And they don't not most of it's not actionable, or they look for two or three. The dirty secret is like most folks will look for two or three metrics within a huge report is the only data they're really looking for. And so you have to ask yourself, is this the data I'm providing going to be helpful to, to me or to my boss? But at least you know know what your objectives are, what's important. And the other part is like don't don't become a perfectionist if you start if you're sharing your reports with anybody else, or even just for yourself, don't become a perfectionist. Don't let uh, it, you know kind of it's not perfect. It's you know it's going to evolve, and you need to be open to it because the data changes constantly, and you need to be able to respond to that. And, and as you find out, you know, part of looking at data is understanding, recognizing patterns. And so as you see that you're going to organize data differently. So be flexible. And at the end of the day, you want to create a work a workable data strategy that's something you can master, familiarize with. Don't do something that's so complex that you can't get your 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 uh, arms around it first time out. Start simple and grow. Worst case, you can warehouse your data. So you're collecting all this data. Maybe you're not using all the data, but you're collecting it going back, so at least you have it. And as you evolve, then you go, oh, you know what? I'd love to correlate this data with this thing, and it might tell you something. So think about, as you start, don't be perfectionist. Think about how it's going to make it workable and understand how it's going to evolve to a dashboard that gives you some useful information they can also share with your bosses and your boss's boss. Such a good um, reminder too about like not needing to be a perfectionist and kind of getting everything together because that does like slow a lot of people down and stop a lot of people from getting involved as they're like well it's not going to be great so like I'm not even going to try and you know all these other things so I think that you know this actually kind of jumps into a, one of the hacks that I was going to bring up which is um, people probably are already, as you mentioned, collecting a ton of data. And like the thing that happens all the time is, hey, I've got all this data. And then people are like, Ugh. like, don't, don't bring something up if you don't have anything to do with it, right? Like if you told somebody, um, you know, this happened, like, and we have this massive statistic, like, and, but you don't have any way of like figuring out how or what to do next and all these different things. So like look for what you can make actionable. Um, as you mentioned, the other thing that's kind of my hack is use other departments reports. So for example, if you see this like massive spike in customer support tickets mm -hmm. um, and you get these reports, be like, what happened? <laughs> like, why are so many people having a support problem right now? Can we make materials that will help solve some of this and increase retention? Um, or you see sales stuff like, oh, sales had like a massive, you know, closing month. Like, what's going on? Like, how did they close? Like, what was it that contributed to that? Or, you know, different things. Use other people's already collected data and then look for, as you mentioned, patterns that you can say, hey, hmm. Like something's going on in this other department. What can I either do to like leverage that information or to help make it better and be the rock star that helps the entire company succeed? Yeah. You know, and just as part of that, I think something that most people don't do and they really should. I know some, I know a lot of CMOs who actually do this, but you know, uh, really understanding your customers is so key. And like for any given product, what I like to do, if there's enough data there, depending, some products don't have that many customers, but I like to pull out the last 100 sales for a particular product and, and look at it and, and what, what, are, what are groupings within that data? What are industries, uh, uh, company sizes, titles of buyers? Um, are there some kind of logical groupings that I can kind of tease out of those last 100 customers? More if you have it, less if you, if you don't have 100, as many as you got, you can at least make some educated guesses on that stuff the thing which like, i would what feature right like or what specific thing made them be like hmm i want that you know like what were they looking for what were those people looking for 
Well, I, I think that that would be perfect for like, I, I think that, and this is a little delicate, you have to develop relationship sales, but I think interviewing customers, closed business is awesome. Your salesperson is going to want to be there and know what the questions are you're going to ask and you'll have to kind of walk gently with that with a closed business. But that's a good place to ask those kinds of questions, kind of what, you know, what did they, what are the other competition they looked at? Uh, what do they like about the competition? What do they like about your product? What do they like about the competition last? What do they like about your product last? Those kinds of questions. You want them open-ended questions. And you don't want to like skew the results, but you want to ask these questions. You want to do it directly and be able to have that conversation because you well, want to be able If they're like a lead, right, then you would know what content they had kind of consumed prior to close. So hopefully if you're doing content grouping, you actually have them in a bucket that says like, these are the types of features that they were looking at when they were still a prospect and stuff like that. So hopefully going into a conversation with them, yeah, yeah, you yeah. would have some of that information at hand so you can actually then ask deeper questions. You don't have to jump off like with the basics of why. You can jump off with, it seemed like these were the things that you were looking at or like it seemed like this was the solution you were looking for. You know, like can you tell us specifically when you were looking at our content how we addressed that in a way that really spoke to you? Yeah, and, and, and even like uh, going a little further with that, I mean like I think that uh, it, you know, this is something that people almost nobody does, and it's really sad is doing lost business interviews. And so, because every time there's a lost deal, no, I mean, everyone's embarrassed, everyone hates it, they, you know, they're frustrated, whatever, they lost the deal, and so they move on, right? That's what salespeople do. They take abuse all day long and they move on. And so, what, what you really want to do is you want to go find those, those folks that lost business and try to reach out to them and see if you can have a conversation with them. And I, I would probably try to do it, I wouldn't necessarily say you're calling from, XYZ company, you might say that you're calling for XYZ company doing uh, an anonymous uh, follow-up survey or something like that so people don't feel put on the spot. No one will ever be honest with you if you ask directly. So if you can kind of give it an arm's length or even hire or have an intern or, or not intern, but have, you know, hire someone to do it or some, you know, some other group to asking these questions, find out why you lost business. And the other thing we should be doing in tandem with all these things, you're looking at all the closed business to understand uh, who these people are kind of demographically you're, you're, you're ideally doing some uh, follow-up uh, interviews with this closed business you're doing interviews with lost business which is something that that's gold that's millions of dollars worth of research for you right there and the other thing which you should be doing is sales ride-alongs and this is something this basically again you got to take salespeople to lunch get to know them and say I'd really like to be go on a uh, close you know, on a, a sales call with you and they can just introduce you they don't have to introduce you as somebody from marketing and say, you know, this is my teammate so-and-so and we're here together and, and they can just be kind of a quiet uh, associate. And so there's ways to actually go along and get to know this, you know, do these things. And you should be doing sales right along. Hell, I'd say do 10 or 20 of these a year because I think it's that important. Go to industry events. So these are all things that you should be doing to get a better hold of the facts about your customers are, not just through a couple simple surveys, but actually some, some uh, empirical research as you go out in the field. You know, the sales and marketing thing, we talk about this a lot. Um, and the in every organization across a ton of different industries that I've ever been in, sales always has their opinions and preconceived notions about marketing and marketing always has their opinions about sales and like what a salesperson is and like, oh, mm -hmm. like, you know, such and such sales guy. And they're all like, oh, well, marketing. So, you know, we all do this. But what's funny is and one of the common complaints I hear from marketers about salespeople is like, they're kind of douchey and like stupid and you know, like they all sound the same and it's really annoying and sales guys are annoying. The funny thing about it is if they're a good salesperson and you probably want to talk to the good ones in your organization, uh, 
they're closing business. So they're doing something. So that at the end of the day, the thing that we're probably forgetting that we all always forget is that we're too close, right? We're too close to it. We hear about this product all the time. We work in this industry. We've been here forever. We like hear the same spiel. We write marketing copy all the time. And so we naturally are a little sensitive to it. But we forget that advertising, marketing, and sales make billions and billions of dollars every year and that people actually do respond to this when it's not their industry, right? Like if it didn't work, it wouldn't be working and we wouldn't all be employed. So I think that sometimes you have to take yourself kind of away from the fact that like this is your industry and you think it's stupid and you hate this copy, you know, like I'll look at different things that, you know, that I've even done for, for, you know, Ginza and, or I'll look at other people's copy and I'm like, God, this is so lame. But then I look at it and like the click through rates are amazing. And like people are totally responding. And like, I sent out this email a couple weeks ago and I was like, this email sucks. And I got like four demo requests after I sent out this email and I was just like, huh, like things that I think are a little silly sometimes aren't silly. Right. Because like I have to take myself because I'm not the audience. Right. Like I, I built the platform. Like I help work on this. I deal with it. It's like my baby. So mm -hmm. I'm not the audience for this. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of times when we're talking to salespeople or salespeople are talking to marketing people, we all kind of like get into our corners and get into these kind of like this person is this way, but guess what? what they're doing works or they wouldn't be doing it. So yeah, I, like, I love that. Yeah, I love salespeople. I, I think you need to understand as a marketer, it's a little bit like a car. You know, they're, they're driving the car, right? They're, they're closing the deal. And as a marketer, you're trying to make the best car possible, the best engine possible. And, and marketers may not, I mean, excuse me, the salespeople, you know, they're driving the car, so they don't know about marketing. They tend to look at things like, oh, yeah, we need uh, better tires or some kind of generic because they don't really have the strategic wherewithal. But they do know it works. And so you, as a marketer, you have to listen to what they say and then translate that into strategy that's scalable and makes sense given you, what you're doing. But the other thing which I, I think people should be doing is, is, is industry research. And this is, I think this directly goes back to kind of what we're doing is, uh, in terms of marketing data and uh, business intelligence for marketing activities. And Google Alerts is free. They killed it for a while and they brought it back and it's still, it's a really good source. Google Alerts is free. You can go set up alerts to, to track your, your industry. Um, you know, so what's going on, what's the latest developments in your industry, you can track that. You can also um, look for mentions of your brand or your, your industry uh, generally or competitors. And these are all these sets, you, you can set all these searches up. And if you do it correctly in Google Alerts, you don't. Uh, one of the options is to have it mailed to you every time there's a, an update or a daily update or a weekly update. You can have it mailed to you. And I would do. I would actually do an RSS feed, and and you, Google says RSS feed, and you can do it as it happens. And then you can run that RSS feed into Feedly. So all the blogs you're tracking for, you know, via RSS. Uh, Feedly is an ISS reader. It's like a little mail reader if you haven't used it. And there are a couple. It's a, Feedly is probably the easiest one to do. Um, but the RSS address in there and you plug it in and every time there's a new update from that, uh, from the alert or from one of your blogs, you got to read it in a nice little reader. Very handy to do. And it's a way to stay up on the industry and your competition and mentions. And it's it's super smart. Every, you should be at least doing this, this kind of thing that you can look into daily or every other day and see, did my competitor get mentioned? Is there an is there a news story here that I, I missed out on? So there's a lot of great data with that. And, and so Google Alerts using an RSS function and then running the RSS function into an RSS reader like Feedly. Totally. Um, I actually have, I mean, so I've had Google Alerts set up for 
forever. And I think that, so one of the things that I did that helps me out is I have certain things that come to me as it happens, right? Like things that I really want to know about. And then I have other things rolled up into like daily and weekly digests because mm -hmm. I know that like, it's just going to be too much. Exactly. Um, but the thing that's really great, you know, as you mentioned, kind of like putting it in Feedly or something, the one of the things that I do sometimes is I actually do a kind of a quick scan and I mine it for content ideas. Like, mm -hmm. are there a lot of people talking about a lot of specific things, especially if they're talking to my competitors about those specific right. things and I'm nowhere in here and I don't have any content that matches any of that. I'm like, what am I doing? Like th they're talking to my competitors about the specific thing over and over and over again. And I don't have any content about it. Uh, I should probably like make a video, write a blog post, do a slide share, like, you know, get off my duff and do something good, you know, that, cause this is obviously a thing people are talking about. And the things that's great about Google alerts is it's what's happening right now. Right? Like, so it's not just everything from Google pulled in ever. It's stuff that's showing up in news and like changing now. So it is kind of like of the moment. Um, another kind of, you know, hack, well, internal data gathering and idea gathering thing is one of the things that marketers and internal people have always hated about sales, but you're really looking at it wrong. You got to like, just think about it smartly because they're going to keep doing this regardless of how you feel about it. So you might as well take what they're doing and leverage it is sales people will promise people things in order to close a deal. They'll be like, yeah, sure, we could totally build that. Or like, oh yeah, like that's that'll happen. Here's the thing, they're gonna do it regardless. But the thing that you can do with that information is if you see them keep promising people the same thing over and over and over again, it means you're missing a feature or core functionality that somebody else has because people keep asking for it. And then you're obviously not marketing against it. Right. Like mm -hmm. if people keep asking for it and your salespeople keep promising it to people, then obviously it's something that they're hearing about regularly in the industry. And you need to take note, not just from a product standpoint, but from a messaging standpoint, because they keep getting asked about it. So you're not going to change the leopard spots. Right. So what yeah. you need to figure out how to do is like, how do you make the leopard like do something good for what you need? How do you skin that leopard? <laughs> and then make a really cute coat out of it. Um, there's actually a, a tool that I, I also like. This is kind of a, a, an easy hack, but there's a, a website called SimilarWeb, S-I-M-I-L-A-R-W-E-B. Um, SimilarWeb is actually, they basically collect, uh, it's kind of like the low-end version of uh, against the metrics, I guess. Um, cool. It's uh, it basically tells you kind of talks about kind of where traffic's coming from and, and geography and um, it, it basically estimates traffic's and basic things and so just as a, a place to get started it's a good tool it's not probably the more it's not going to be very robust but at least you can look at your website compared to a competitor at a very basic level and so you can track kind of like how much traffic are they getting compared to you and, and get and again this is some, uh, mostly guesstimates based on on some different data sources. But at least it gives you a, a baseline about where you are compared to your competitors. Totally. I mean, and so I know that we're running out of time for today. So the thing that I wanted to touch on and, you know, like, obviously, you'll need to be able to make your closing statements, too, is that nothing I've said today about, like, looking at content or grouping things or, like, looking at what um, people are and aren't using or anything is in any way, shape, or form a call for you to go get rid of content that people aren't using frequently or to like only focus on the groups or things that you see being used right now constantly. 
Because here's the thing that we always point out, right? Content is part of an ecosystem. And also, you know, you what you may have is a group of really well-performing content and the thing that's performing the lowest is actually still performing really well. It's just not performing the best, but it's still really good material. So when you're doing this stuff, the recommendation shouldn't be, well, these 10 things are doing really well and these 10 things aren't. So like, screw those 10 things, let's stop messing with that and let's only do this. You have to understand the connectivity and interwovenness of like how all that stuff actually worked together to achieve a goal because it may have been that people hop, skipped and jumped through some of that other stuff and got to that other piece. So getting rid of it will actually lose you the path. Um, so that's kind of my closing thing is like none of this is a uh, call to arms to like get rid of certain data that you've collected or types of content that you've been working on or anything like that. Yeah, I think that the two things I would share kind of in closing is is Google Tools, it, it really is a marketer. You should understand Google Analytics. You should understand Google Keyword Planner um, and Google Webmaster Tools. Now, you may not be in charge of that stuff, but it's really it, there's a lot of really good information in all those places. It's about how people are, are what people are finding on your website, what they're reading on your website, how Google sees your, your listing and your website. This is huge data, and this, you know, organic is, is a – has to be a part of any strategy to keep uh, lead costs lower. So as a marketer, if you're, you're full hands-on, you should be all over Google Tools. If you're just a smart marketer and you have other people doing some of this stuff for you, you should completely understand it and be familiar with the tools and be able to use them uh, with those folks. And, and then the last little thing is, is really about, uh, and this is kind of a throwaway, but you know we all have the uh, signatures. And I think signatures are one of the, usually the most, um, uh, on the bottom of a, an email signatures usually often is not very standardized in a company and here's a great opportunity for you to promote all, all your content you know like your latest blog post or your latest ebook or that kind of thing but something a throwaway is you can put surveys on there so you can actually put a survey um, on the bottom of you know signatures but also on autoresponders so for instance let's say you have uh, a sign up a blog post sign up and and they sign up in the thank you page you know, comes up and says, thank you for yourself. You'll be getting our, our new blog. You can actually put a little opportunity for, for a, a uh, survey in there, you know, using SurveyMonkey or whatever, and ask and offer them maybe another download or some asset to do it, but ask some questions that you want to know about. You know, what kinds of features are they using in the industry? These have to be not so much about your product, but about your industry area. And because people who are reading your blog may not be buying your tool then or have that tool right then, but they're interested in your area. So you need to ask industry-related stuff, but you can get a better idea about what kinds of content they really are going to find important? Who the, who your readers really are? Um, there's all kinds of questions you do. So like you know either in your email signature or in your autoresponder thank you page, add a survey. Easy to do. Surveys are their best. Like seriously, I wish people took them more. Um, but any chance that you get to ask somebody a direct question and get some immediate feedback is a solid win. And even if you don't get very many responses, like every response you get is somebody's like from their mouth to your ears reply um, yeah. and you better listen the worst thing that i think you can do um and this is actually a danger like this is a caveat and you know you may disagree don't send out surveys or ask people how they feel about something if you're not prepared to do something about it once you get it because then it just seems like you're being a jerk right um unless you put it in there right unless you put in there like hey like we're just collecting this information for shits and giggles like don't ask especially when you're doing this with customers right don't ask people what features would you like to see in the product get a bunch of people to respond back and tell you exactly what they want and then ignore it it's especially like and you don't necessarily have to build it 
the thing that you should be prepared to do though is respond back and explain the path forward after you yeah. just ask these questions. So I Absolutely. think that that's the, that's the caveat with asking people questions or sending out surveys, not just like obviously like intra email, like, you know, snippet surveys and things like that. Um, there's actually like satisfaction survey things too. And I feel like the funny part about that is people always, you know, like the thing that'll just ask you, like, how do you feel about this? Like, you know, good, you know, bad, indifferent, whatever. Um, at the end. And it's like always, if you actually have the wherewithal to click on something, it's always because you're pissed off. And so it's always like frowny face, frowny face. Um, so yeah. I would also say like steer away from those kinds of things because you're probably not going to get real information. You're just going to get people's like of the moment. So I think you're totally right in ask industry related questions. Yeah. yeah I, I like your, 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 your point about making sure that, you know, this is I think it's true for external or internal. But when you ask people's advice, to think it's like talk about how you're going to use that data. Make sure you thank them for that data. Ask follow-up questions if there's anything about that, and say, "Listen, this is great data. We're going to be talking about this, all these things coming up, and we're going to be including your, your response. So thank you very much." Because people do want to know that they that their their time is valuable, and if they spend two minutes or three minutes or five minutes answering questions for you, that's that's a gift. That's a gift that they're giving you, and you have to honor that. Totally. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Steve, thank you so much for joining. Um, I will talk to you guys again soon and uh, look for this show on uh, the Ginzametrics.com website on our YouTube channel, YouTube uh, slash Ginzametrics. And we also always put it on our uh, Twitter feed as well as the Facebook page. So you can find us there and feel free to always email Aaron at Ginzametrics.com with uh, any questions or comments that you have, future show topics or guests you'd like to see. Until next week. Bye.